Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us for Tiny Sparks Big Flames. Have you ever wondered what it's really like to follow your dreams? If the answer is yes, come along as we get the inside scoop from creatives, innovators, and difference makers who are daring to make their visions a reality. In three, two, one. Welcome to Tiny Sparks Big Flames. I'm your host, Deb Gott, and today we're talking with Cynthia Carell, an award-winning mixed-media artist from here in St. Louis. She also is a communication architect, more on that later, and she's author of an exciting new book called The Land of Ampersand. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. Thank you, Deb. I'm really excited to be here and very honored, too, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. One of my favorite ways to start is with origin stories, right? And it's where did you, in this world that you've been in, first come to discover your passion for art? Well, it's an interesting story because it wasn't until I was in my 40s that I really discovered a passion for art. I took uh, a career assessment program and learned that I had some design capabilities, some visual aptitude, and they actually told me my career path was uh, to be an architect. But at that um, point in my life, I didn't want to go back to school to study that, so I did the next what I thought was the next best thing. I studied fine art at local colleges, and then I studied graphic design at a vocational school, and that's how I launched my business as an entrepreneur doing graphic design and marketing. Uh, eventually, one of my colleagues uh, said to me, you know, you're a communication architect. And I thought, wow, that's, that, that's perfect because I feel like I achieved my destiny in a way, right? Um, and the architect part of the career assessment was based on spatial abilities, that they revealed, the testing revealed, and I never knew I had spatial abilities. So later on, after taking art classes and whatever, I eventually uh, took a class in book arts. Have you ever heard of book arts? I have heard of book arts. I think they're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So it was brand new to me, and what I loved about book arts is that it combines three things— It's the images and the graphics, but it's also words, which I always loved words. I was an English major in college. And the third component is structure. Hmm. So when you put those three things together, it really spoke to me because the, the structure part of it is kind of the architecture part of it. Wow. So... First off, yay English majors, right? (laughs) We share that. But books, have they always been a love of yours in terms of just books themselves? Oh, I've always loved books. I I remember going into New York City and spending lots of time at Brentano's, which was a huge bookstore there, long gone. But yes, I always loved books. I loved uh, poetry. E.E. Cummings was my favorite. Yes. And he's a very visual poet. So again, it's the visual and and the words combined. That makes sense then that you go from 
communication architect, which I presume you've been for some time as your business, yes? And so you've got that going. Then you come through the book arts. So how did you work toward mixed media as your art form? So book arts is a lot of paper and different materials. So it it book arts is mixed media of of a kind. So there was a little bit of that there already. Um, I've always loved the structure of book arts. So a lot of people who do book arts, they create some form of a, a traditional book with pages. One of my favorite pieces that I created uh, and was on exhibit, I took a mason jar of alphabet soup and I labeled it the complete works of William Shakespeare, Shake Before Reading. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. It, it amused a lot of people. It was, it was a show favorite. So I enjoy not only the visual and, and the words and the structure, but the whimsical side of things, too. Word on the street is you won an award recently for a mixed media piece. Tell us a little bit about that one. Thank you. Yes, I entered a show, that my first juried show, where I had a piece accepted. And uh, it was a show called Maturity and its Muse. You had to be at least 70 to enter the show, and I had just turned 70. So I thought, well, I'll create a piece. And for me, turning 70 um, was overwhelming, you know, the thought of aging and what do I have to look forward to? I'm single. I have no children. And I met someone who was in his 60s, and he had put together his 30-year plan. Wow. And I thought, that's amazing. I'm going to do that. So I've been working on that, and it's really um, brightened my um, outlook on the future and the whole idea of aging. And I started thinking about this is like the third act of a play. I'm in the third act of my life, but isn't the third act the most incredible act, right? It's the most exciting. It is. It's where everything comes together. And, I mean, you would never walk out before the third act. You'd want to see how everything ends. So my piece was a multimedia piece celebrating a 70th birthday with a playbill all about the third act. I love that. I love that. Well, congratulations on the award. Thank you. Yes, it was my first juried show. I won an award and the piece sold too. Yes, (laughs) yes. That's called the trifecta. Yes, I was overwhelmed. It was just wonderful. Here's a question. As you've moved through this journey, tell me about the first time you remember saying, I am an artist. Oh, (laughs) well, I specifically remember that happening last year because I started working with a coach. And I kept saying to her, I want to be an artist. I'm aspiring to be an artist. I'm an aspiring artist. And one day she pointed out to me, all these artistic projects I had created, well, aren't you already an artist? 
And I started to realize, okay, I'm an artist. <laughs> and that was a huge shift for me. Um, and not long ago, I went to a get-together at a friend's home, and she introduced me to each of her friends as the artist. And it just blew me away, blew me away. Um, and so gradually, I am getting used to the idea, yes, I am an artist. <laughs> yes, you are an artist. That is so true. And I love that story. That's Thank just a, you. That's a fantastic story. Let me ask you this. What do you love most about following your dream as an artist? You know what I really love most is I am discovering so much about myself. People who have known me as a creative entrepreneur, as a communication architect, they see the things that I'm doing now as an artist, and they keep saying, we see a whole new side of you. You're just blossoming. And I feel like I am blossoming. You know, I never thought in my 70s I would have a whole new exciting career and learning so much about myself. I don't know. It's just pure joy. Joy is something that I think of when I think of you. Oh, thank you. Well, what inspires you when you think about the things that really fill you up, that fuel you? What, what, is, what inspires you? Well, there are just so many things. I think it's life in general. One of the things I was able to explore during the pandemic was to just follow my curiosity. And that led me to reading about other artists and seeing tours of art online. I think just having the freedom. I stopped working with clients. I retired from my business. And I had this whole fresh experience of being able to just follow my curiosity. It's kind of like being on vacation. You know how it is when you're on vacation, you think you don't necessarily have to have a plan. You can, you can think, okay, what do I feel like doing right now? Let's see. I think I'll go get an ice cream cone or, or maybe I'll just call a friend or go for a walk or go visit um, an art show. So... Um, I think those are the kinds of things that really inspire me, that freedom just to follow my curiosity. Sure. On the flip side of inspiration is also the things that we fear the most, right? What keeps you up at night? What's kept you up at night and how have you handled those challenges or those obstacles? Well, I think finding my own voice as an artist has weighed on me somewhat. And it's ironic that the more I concentrated on that and tried to figure it out, mentally figure it out, um, the further away it got. When I just let go and follow my heart or my intuition, my, I'm finding my voice is revealing itself. So, for instance, um, when I was putting my my book together, The Land of Ampersand, I kept thinking it had to have a serious message, a serious narrative, had to have meaning. And it's kind of like that feeling of, you know, trying to go to sleep. You have to let yourself go to sleep, right? You can't say, okay, I'm going to go to sleep right now. Okay, and I'm trying so hard to go to sleep. It doesn't work. So I think it's the same thing with finding your voice as an artist and I was trying so hard, and I was also looking outside myself 
for help, I thought if I brought in colleagues to help me, that would be the solution. And it turned out to be none of that. What really did the trick for me was realizing that I just want to have fun. I just want to play. And the moment I got in touch with that attitude and that philosophy, everything came together. I And I'm finding my voice every day through that mentality. You said intuition, so you've got that mentality. Tell me about your intuition. Tell me where it takes you that that has surprised you, (laughs) right? What is intuition really about for you? I think it's rooted in my spiritual beliefs. So whenever, uh, whenever I get stuck or worried or anxious... If I uh, go back to grounding myself in my spiritual beliefs, to me, that's part of my intuition as well. It's tapping into my intuition. Um, There are moments with producing this book that I just rode on the coattails of my intuition. And, And another way of saying that is that I feel like God just flowed through me in producing this book. Uh, because when it was right, when it when it clicked, it was so easy. When it was when it was challenging and hard, I I would sometimes get frustrated, and then I would tell myself, "Okay, I'm just going to let this go, let it go," and uh, sure enough, the solution would reveal itself. And and it was whatever that challenge was, it was a blessing turned out to be a blessing. Wow. Wow. That had to be a really insightful kind of moment or moments. I've learned so much over the last few months through this creative process. And and I think we learned from our ups and our downs, right? Definitely. So, so tell <laughs> us about the book. Well, it's it started out as an art journal that I created using the symbol ampersand and creating some humorous, whimsical illustrations. And I was trying to think, okay, what can I do next? I've created this journal and I was posting the images on Instagram, getting a great response. And a very good friend said to me, have you thought about turning this into a little coffee table book? And I had not. It was perfect. So that's what I ended up doing and added a narrative to it that I'm really happy with the way it turned out. The book is actually your self-guided tour through the land of Ampersand. How fun. Well, congratulations on the book. That's fantastic. One of the things that we could talk about with this is what your success secrets are. If you had to say to someone, the secret to my success as an artist is, what would be some of the things that you would share? Definitely following my intuition, which is the same to me as following my joy, which is the same to me as that feeling of being on vacation. So what do we gravitate towards? Do that. Um, Taking classes 
has been extremely helpful because there's a whole discovery process and uh, taking classes in different art forms. I had never done watercolor before, and so just learning new things, and you can sometimes discover something that way that you love that you never realized. Very, very good. Wow. If that's a success secret, how do you get unstuck? Whenever you get stuck, how do you get unstuck? Well, many times it's just letting go, right? When we say we're we're stuck, are we holding on too tight to something? Ooh. That could be, right? That's fascinating. So sometimes it's just letting go, stepping away, taking a breather, taking a break. That seems to work so well for me uh, recently. So that's something that I would definitely recommend. Perfect. One thing that we like to talk about in every single show is the places in our hometown where we love to go. There are secret gardens. There are favorite haunts. There are those places that maybe are not that well-known, and that could be a good thing, right? But... Where are some of your secret gardens, your favorite haunts? Well, there's one place that's my very favorite, and it's called the Wolf Cafe in Chesterfield. And it's an amazing place. It's privately owned. It's not a chain. And it's beautifully decorated with all kinds of surprising art objects There's an art gallery there. There's a a room where they have music performances, improv performances. The food is amazing. It's fresh off the farm, uh, fabulous recipes. It's family-owned. They have a wonderful uh, wine and beer selection, too, and cocktails. And um, it's... It's just the perfect mix of everything. I love that eclectic feel of when you come into the place. Shout out to Wolf Cafe right now. Shout out. I've actually been there a couple of times with an improv show. And not only is the food awesome and the people are amazing, but the, I mean, just the improv itself, right? And shout out to Bob Baker. Yes, Bob is awesome with his improv team. Definitely. So it's fun that both of us have experienced Bob. Yes. Well, it sounds like you love music, you love theater, you love food. So what are some other places in St. Louis that you really love to go? Well, I love going to outdoor concerts. Um, Before the pandemic, there was an amphitheater locally, Uh, that would have live music. In fact, I even went there to see the eclipse when the eclipse was there. Wow. They had a huge gathering for all of us. There's something about live music, you know, a picnic, sitting outside, watching the sun go down. I'm just a sucker for that kind of romantic kind of experience. (laughs) Oh, I know. And there's so much going on in St. Louis. It's It's like one of the things I heard when I first moved here was St. Louis is a city that gives away its art and culture. Oh, really? I love that. It's so true. Right? That there's so many things that they they do not charge for, or there's so many things that the price is so affordable that 
almost anybody can go, which is just a really, really special thing about the city we live in, right? It truly is. Uh, I'm not from here originally, and I do believe it's a well-kept secret that St. Louis has a vast amount of arts and culture. Uh, It's one of the things I love most about this place. I know. So it is wonderful. Well, I've got I've got two more questions for you. You ready? I, I don't know. Let me see. Yes, I think so. You got it? Okay, we have a little time. When we think about people who are wanting to follow a dream, because so many of us say, I wish I could, if only I could. I've always wanted to, but, right? There's this but that often is there. And we know that following a dream is a roller coaster ride, right? It's not it's not just a straight shot, right? I liken it to Six Flags Over Georgia has this giant roller coaster called the Great American Scream Machine, right? And it's a lot like that for me, you know, just for myself following my own dream is like, woo, I mean, literally, it's like up and down and up and down and it's a roller coaster. And it's exhilarating, and it's exciting, and it's sometimes terrifying. And I think it's so easy for people to think it's either a straight shot or they think it's impossible. It's those two polar opposites that people think about. I can't, or this is going to be a cakewalk. And it's, of course, neither. So what advice would you offer to somebody who is on the cusp of following a dream, but they're fearful, what advice would you offer to them based on your experience? I think I would suggest that they don't fly alone because so often we think we have to do it all by ourselves. And I truly know there are people who help me along my journey that I'm so grateful for. One of them was a coach. You know, having a coach was really helpful Um, then I also have colleagues. I was in a mastermind. I am in a mastermind group, so we would meet once a month. Um, and then I've created various groups that we meet on Zoom. Uh, and it's, it's really a way of staying in touch, creating a community, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, because, Sometimes we just need people to cheer us on. The other thing that's been so helpful to me has been taking classes. Um, and sometimes I'll take a class and it's it's not the right fit. But then you then you check that off and you move on on to something else. But um, we can dream, but we have to take some steps forward, and we might discover that maybe that's not the right path. But um, eventually we'll we'll find things that resonate with us and and help us build that dream. That sounds like some pretty good advice. What's next for you? So this is um <laughs> this is always the question, isn't it? You know, I finish one um project and I think, well, what shall I do next? Um I had a wonderful experience the other day. I was um visiting a friend's home and I was just overwhelmingly moved by the the creativity and the nurturing of this home. Even when I pulled up to the front door, there was a huge tree in the yard with a, a beautiful swing 
and a big sign leaning against the tree, a hand-painted sign that said, Be Kind. Wow. And as I walked into the house, the children were all happy and playing, and there was just creativity and design everywhere, and all kinds of nurturing feelings came over me. I even saw a player piano that was exactly like the one I grew up with. Oh, my. And so... I think what I took away from that is this wonderful joy that I experienced from being in that creative, nurturing environment, that home that was centered around children and child's play. And so for my next creative project, I'm not sure what it'll look like exactly, but I want to explore those feelings of helping us reconnect with those childhood feelings of joy and play. Sign me up. (laughs) Okay. If you do a class, I'm in. I'm in. I'll just come play with you. Okay, that would be great. Anytime, Deb. Playtime. Yes. Cynthia, thank you so, so much for joining us on the podcast tonight. This has been a fantastic conversation, and you are so inspiring, and you are... You are so creative, and I just shout-outs to you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Deb. I love your podcast. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored that you invited me here. Oh, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show and for spreading the word about us to all your family and friends. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Cynthia and her fun, whimsical art and her book— where can they go, Cynthia? Well, they can go to my Instagram at Cynthia Carell or my website, CynthiaCarell.com. Very, very good. Go there. Her art is so joyful. Her art is so playful and fun. And if you really, really want to go into the journey of the land of Ampersand, look for her book. I'm so excited about the book. Congratulations, Gail. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deb. You are welcome. That's it for this episode of Tiny Sparks, Big Flames. If you enjoyed the conversation, definitely check out our webpage at tinysparksbigflames.com. You can find more great information about today's guests, see what they're up to, and even follow their work. Until next time... Dream big, and thanks for listening.